Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. This episode is sponsored by Canine Working Mind, a dog natural training center offering one-on-one sessions, group classes, and more. Visit canineworkingmind.net for more information. That's canine working mind with a K. Good morning. Today we are going to be talking about medical issues in canines. Yeah, all all things medical, things that people will uh, probably shy away from if they were to be looking for a dog to adopt or potentially even if your own dog develops some of these medical issues. It's just we're going to be kind of breaking down some of the common things that people might experience. One of the big things that we hear about is people that have dogs with epilepsy. Now, I myself have had a couple of dogs with epilepsy. I had a husky way back in the day. Uh, His name was Joker and he had distemper as a pup, so he had developed epilepsy. Um, Is that and, a common thing for distemper? Yeah, there's a neurologic. It creates neurologic issues. Most times you have neurologic stances, postures, gait, but he had seizures developed from it. Joker was probably one of the easiest dogs in my entire life. I never really had to do anything with him. <laughs> so, you know, the fight against epilepsy and dogs yeah. uh, behavior-wise is uh, null and void on me because Joker was such a great dog. But he really was. He was a great dog, but he did have grand mal seizures. And it was tough. It was tough to live with. Um, I had Gaia, who was my deaf and blind dog, and she was also epileptic. Did either of these dogs not have it and then it developed or they always had it? Joker always had it. Like even from a baby? From a baby, he had it because he had distemper. So as soon as we got the distemper cleared from him when he was a pup, the neural started showing um, and he started having epilepsy uh, and some pretty serious seizures. But we manage them with meds. Yeah. You know, they're all manageable with meds. With Gaia, they didn't show up until I had her for about four years. I think she was full adult. She was full adult. You know, it's hard to know what age she was because she was found in Waco. So they don't know how old she was exactly. But they developed, I I would assume she was about three or four when they started showing up. Didn't Dakota have? Dakota had epilepsy. When she got older though she, she was like older 14 now her seizures at older were med induced yes that's Those right Those were medication induced they were not from neurological neurologic anything. issues it was because she had other health issues that developed into uh seizures as well so it was very tough because she was a geriatric girl so chance actually had seizures but he his seizures were very random so it wasn't He wasn't even on meds or anything because they were so random. It was just he would have one or two a year, maybe, and they would last a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, But it was so random. It was. It was terrifying the first time it happened because it was in the middle of the night and it woke me up. But his was super random. And it was like once he got older, like eight plus, he, he didn't have them anymore. Now I had that foster dog, Gabby. I think you were the one that were, because she was here. She was staying here. I was out of town and they were bringing her out of the car and she was acting like she was like dead pretty much. She was sleeping. Yeah. But she was limp, not waking up. 
And you were the one that texted me and was like, you should check to see if the rescue will take her to the vet and check for seizures because you said that it was it looked like it was seizure related. Yeah. And it is, you know, I mean, I have a lot of experience and a lot of dogs. So it's something that a lot of people don't notice. You sometimes might not notice, you know, if you come home and your dog is like wobbling, seems like they're kind of not out there. And we ask those questions. Now, we're not vets. And I'm going to make that very clear. Yeah, We are not veterinarians. And everything we discussed today, you need to go to your vet. If you're suspicious of any of the things we describe, the only thing that you should do is make an appointment with your vet, go and get it checked out. Don't Google vet things. (laughs) That's not helpful. No, it's not. It only will make you stressed out. It'll stress you out. And it, it really doesn't work because there could be something else that's causing the seizures, like Joker, his seizures were caused by distemper. Gaia, we assume she was just epileptic. Her son, actually, uh, Charlie, wound up having epilepsy as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the common signs of seizures that most people think is like when a dog goes into a seizure, their whole body is going to start just shaking uncontrollably and all of that. But obviously, there's other things that could be indicating seizure and it's not always looking right. You like might not, the typical seizure. You might not always see, you know, your dog fall on its side and yeah, throw itself be, into a full be seizure. Be stiff and shaking and right. stuff. Now, Joker's mini seizures, Joker had, it, it was pretty bad. He had uh, pretty grand mall seizures, but he also developed bubblegum seizures, is what they call it, where it looks like they're chewing bubblegum, literally chewing for no reason at all. There's nothing in their mouth. They're just randomly chewing bubblegum. Okay. Yeah. And I've heard you ask clients that because you've seen it in a session. Yeah. I have seen, we actually have caught it a couple of times with dogs, uh, clients that come in cases that have aggression. And now I'm going to make it very clear that epilepsy does not cause aggression. And it's not because of aggression. The reason that a dog might show aggression if they have epilepsy is because it freaks them out. You have to remember that a dog doesn't have the same rational thought process like we do. And they don't understand why all of a sudden they lost consciousness, why all of a sudden they woke up and mom and dad are all over them and they're laying in their own pee and poop. You have to understand that it's not a side effect of epilepsy. It's an effect from it, basically. So don't go thinking that if your dog has epilepsy, oh my God, my dog's going to be aggressive. Joker lived 12 years with epilepsy. He was a great dog, never showed any aggression. Dakota, even in her 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 last years, she yeah. did great yeah, with, she uh, was. while she was epileptic. Now, Gaia, it was tough. It was tough because she was deaf and blind. And in her world already, all she had was her sense of smell. Yeah, She didn't see things. She didn't hear things. So when she had a seizure, she really freaked out. Of because, course she did. And you can't really hold it against them or, or fault them for it. It's because they can't see, they can't hear. And... All of a sudden, you know, there's somebody around you with a pillow because she would get so thrashy that I would worry about her getting hurt. And I couldn't just let her go through the seizure like some people would because she would injure herself. And when she woke up, she would start snapping because she didn't know um, what was going on, what was going on. And again, it wasn't her fault. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't aggression isn't because of epilepsy. Yeah. Right. It's it's literally just a side effect. Yeah. And I guess, you know, with Gabby, Gabby didn't have, sometimes Gabby would have the full blown stiff body and, and tremors and seizure like that. But hers, 
showed with, I mean, limp. Right. Was Hers was completely limp. And we've seen some dogs. We have uh, a case uh, that stands out for me the most. We're doing a session. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the session, there was no stress stackers. Actually, the dog was really calm, too. And I'm not a vet. Like I said, I don't, I don't have a medical background. But I've been doing it long enough that I can see when a dog all of a sudden starts to get a gaze. Yeah, like, nothing is there. Yeah. And they start chewing. Like literally chewing, just chewing. Yeah. And I was like, you know, might not be a bad idea to get her checked out. And they're, oh, no, no. She does that all the time. Okay. I need you to get her checked out. It turned out that they had to put her on phenobarb because she actually did have bubblegum seizures. It's not the typical what most people would think. They just think, oh, my dog's weird. They do that sometimes. Right. Some, you know, and we're not talking about the jaw chatter. So I want to make sure that everybody understands when your dog gets overly excited about uh, food or toys or they just got into a chase or they got into a really great smell that excited them and their bottom jaw starts chattering. That's not a bubblegum seizure. Yeah. So don't go run into your vet if your dog is overexcited, <laughs> overaroused. It's literally when they're having bubblegum seizures, it truly looks like they're chewing bubblegum. Shelly didn't have seizures, right? No, but Shelly had a sleep disorder. The sleep disorder, it was neurological, but it wasn't a seizure. Right, and that did cause aggression. So it wasn't epilepsy, it wasn't a seizure, but she had a sleep disorder. It's it was pretty rare, Oh, right? super rare, super rare. You don't usually see it. We actually, I was like blown away that we had a client this year that had... yeah done the same thing that I have done with, you know, Texas A&M and uh, having to go having and it, having it having diagnosed it all diagnosed and sleep study and all this other crap that we yeah. did with Shelly. The funniest damn story now, now it wasn't then was I was sound asleep, passed out cold two o'clock in the morning. And I heard this awful dragon growling. And I was like, oh my God, one What's of my dogs me? is uh, going to kill me. Yeah. Right. Woke up, turned the light on and Shelly was truly foaming, snarling, and in a attack stance towards a nightstand. Yeah, it wasn't even to you. It was no, it wasn't towards, towards a me. piece of furniture. It wasn't towards dogs. It was towards a piece of furniture. And I called her name and she didn't respond. I called her name again. She didn't respond. And then I clapped and called her name and she literally woke up. It was like somebody sleepwalking that when you wake them up, they go, what the heck? What, what's going on? Why am I standing here? Right. And I was like, Okay, that was really weird. Took her to the vet. They said, well, you know, maybe she just had a bad dream. I'm like, no, she was standing on all four legs. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to kill I mean, the nightstand. I, I don't know if dogs yeah. sleepwalk or anything. Yeah. They might, but it was pretty incredible. It was actually really the first time that I had ever heard of it. And it was truly astounding to see. But she developed, she actually did have aggression. It did it that did cause aggression. Yeah. Because if you I mean, especially while she was asleep, right. there's always the potential that she might not wake up pretty much and right. become aggressive towards something random. Right. We had her, you know, she had to, you couldn't let her nap. Yeah. She wasn't, she wasn't your normal dog that can live in your house and just nap on the couch because if she fell into a deep REM sleep, she would become go aggressive. into this uh, Cujo basically. Yeah. yeah. So we would have her, you know, if we saw, we would go out, we would do stuff. And if we saw that she started to get sleepy, we'd be like, okay, time Wait. to go take a nap in a big yeah. lion's cage. Because yeah. Time to go in your very big kennel. Yeah, but that one, that's a neurologic issue that causes aggression. Epilepsy doesn't. Aggression comes from, it's a side effect because they just don't understand, you know? Yeah. 
well, what's causing it, but with Shelly, good Lord. Yeah, that was uh, different though. That's not, that wasn't that was a seizure. Different. That was a totally different neurological That issue. was one of those things where you literally said, okay, let's not sleep with this dog out of a cage. Yeah, yeah. 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 I remember because she <laughs> would be in her crate and then suddenly she would stand up and, and, be, and yeah. be growling and intense. And you would, you would have to go over there and try to wake her up. Yeah. And the moment she would wake up, she's, super sweet, friendly, yeah. tail, tail wagon, yeah. like, hey mom, what's going on? Why did you yeah. wake me up? Yeah. yeah. She just didn't even know what was going on. And it's interesting because some people might think that was a seizure, but it was a not. sleep disorder. Yeah. yeah. Um, just like people sleepwalking. I know in human wise, one of my ex employees had a spouse that would get up and literally start punching holes in walls. And it's the same thing that you see in a dog, but it's so rare in yeah. canines. So rare. I was blown away. And then this year, we just saw a client that has a dog that has the same sleep disorder. And I was like, oh, my God. So it does happen to other people. It wasn't just a. Yeah. And this is when they're actually asleep because some people's dogs, you know, they might become aggressive from startling them awake. And which is different. different. That's different. That's not a neurological issue most times. Right. It might be, but it's usually not. It's totally separate issue. This is the dog was still asleep. Right. REM sleep is what causes it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the dogs that are laying down curled up and snug as a bug in a rug and you go over and touch them and they go to snap you. That's a different story. This is legit. There's no provoking. Yeah. If your dog is laying on a dog bed and they are in REM sleep, you are not near it. Nobody else is near it. And it wakes up and tries to attack a piece of furniture. Go to Yeah, there's there's something (laughs) happening there and you should get that. But if you're just walking past your dog and they're sleeping and you touch them and they get grumpy with you, um, not so much. It's not a sleep disorder. Interesting stuff, right? The neuro- yeah. I would love to get a scientist in here to tell us about that. You know, that's maybe something for a future podcast yeah. because that one blows me away. In all my years of doing this, having two dogs in thousands of cases that I've done, that's how rare it is. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Right. But a lot of aggression does come from medical issues, mm-hmm. not because it, you know, it's a side effect for epilepsy. So I'm going to state that again. I'm going to be very clear about that. Dogs can live with epilepsy just fine. Joker did. Dakota did. We have a lot of dogs that come Gabby was a super sweet dog. She just had the, we knew she had neuro stuff. And it's hard, you know, as an owner, it's hard to see a dog go through an epileptic seizure. I'm not going to lie. When it happened with Chance, I was like, I don't know how to help him. And it's so heartbreaking to see, but it's brief. It's over. It's done. You and know? then we moved on. And it's something that can be helped with medication. They have tons of medication out there nowadays. Yeah. God, back then, uh, with Joker, it was just Vino. Dogs that have epilepsy. I mean, a lot of dogs that are out there that need a home, if they have epilepsy, sometimes that will steer people away from I that know, dog. and it's so and sad because... Those dogs can be great dogs. They can be great dogs, and there's nothing wrong with them. They just have a seizure. And you it's can, not like it's a daily thing. So, and I want to... So it depends on... It depends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that. And I'm not a vet, but it does depend. We've had Laura Lee on here in the past. She had a just an amazing, amazing dog. And she might not listen to this podcast episode because she'll probably cry. But um, Maverick was one of the friendliest, smartest, brightest dogs out there. And he developed epilepsy. And I remember one one day he was having seizure after seizure after seizure. And that's when you know it starts to get really worse. I actually drove with her to Texas and and, um, and we had to stop like three or four times because it was just uncontrollable seizures. Yeah. But he lived a great life. So here's the thing. Why? Why not give him a chance? Yeah. That he lived a great life. He loved working with Laura Lee. He searched. He was obsessed with a tennis ball. 
He had a great life. So it doesn't make sense not to give him a chance to live. Yeah, they're not going to be any more necessarily expensive because that's what some people think is that's the medical means that I'm going to spend a lot more money. But again, as we've stated before, they're not going to be any more expensive than your normal healthy dog that's going to get into things or need to go for tummy bugs or anything like that. Like, you know, you're still going to have to take them to the vet just like every other dog. Johnny just cost me a fortune at the vet because he's got (laughs) diarrhea. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's just dogs. So, I mean, like like with Kevin. Yeah, I take him to the vet pretty regularly and he he does. He costs me money. However, my other dogs cost me just as much and they are completely healthy. Yeah. They're not in kidney failure and they still cost me a crap ton. I mean, I took Gracie and I was like, dang it. I mean, there goes my my bank account and she's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's a downfall of having too many dogs, Laura. I know. All Ah. my money goes to my dogs. I don't, I don't eat dinner that often. Dogs and horses in my house. You know, yesterday my farrier came out, put all those shoes on and it cost me a fortune. I was like, okay. My dogs will always have food, but I might not. True. (laughs) All right. So let's get off of the epilepsy and go into the paralyzed pups. Obviously that's going to be, a lot of people might think of it as like the dogs that are in wheelchairs. They can't use their back legs. Does that include the the IVDD stuff or is that different? Okay. So in I don't have a lot dis- of disease. yeah, I don't have a lot of experience, I will say, with paralyzed dogs. It's something I'm super interested in. It's okay. never something I would be unwilling so, to take on. And I'm not again, I'm gonna repeat this throughout this entire episode. Not a vet. Not a vet. But you've had Go. paralyzed dogs. I have. I have had paralyzed dogs, and I actually had a dog with IBDD. Now, is that the same thing, though? It was not paralyzed, no. Oh, okay, okay. So, But it can. So here's the thing. With IBDD, you can get a little bit of discomfort, or you can get the severe case where it does paralyze them. This is just, it's a disc disease. But paralyzed pups, usually you'll see they're paralyzed. And again, do not quote me because I am not a vet, but the dogs that I've seen in my experience, most of the dogs that I've seen were paralyzed from trauma. Some sort of trauma. Uh, Being struck in the back with a bat. When we have one of those, we have two dogs that were hit by a car and their spine was severed. Those are paralyzed pups. Now I had two paralyzed pups, Angel and, oh my God, the name just slipped my brain. Wow. Not Mm. enough coffee. Oh no. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, she was a gorgeous little Roddy, but both of them came to me at the same time. San Antonio shelter had called me because they knew that I worked with differently abled. Yeah. And they were like, Hey, we have two paralyzed pups. And I was like, well, damn, I'm not a rescue. I don't take dogs in, but I don't want to see them rot in a cement cell. Yeah. Cause a lot of people, again, they won't take on a dog that they think is going to cost them more money. Right. So I took them in. They didn't cost me any extra money, you know, aside from the wheelchair, but Here's the thing. You buy it once. You buy it once. Right. One, you buy it once. Two, you can usually get them online from somebody who had one dog passed. They give yeah. the, the wheelchair. So Or or like with uh, with Laura Lee's thing, the Unstoppables Project. I mean, right. you could look into that and there's some great groups out there right. that offer that kind of stuff. Right. Now, Angel was hit by a car and we're going to get into Angel and Angel's case a little bit more when we talk to Don next week. Angel is short of it, was hit by a car on 35 and left there for two days. Yikes. Two days. Holy crap. Paralyzed dog on the side of the road. Not one goddamn person stopped. Right. Drives me insane. Horrible. But, yes. One, 35 is a dangerous place. Yes. But 
if I see a dog on the side of the road that's still alive and laying on the side of the road, God damn it, I'm going to stop. Yeah. Right. But, you know, not everybody is nuts as we are, I guess. But the big thing for me is, you know, how many police officers or animal control officers or veterinary field yeah. drove down that, that road. might have drove right. past. Uh, so, but anyway, I know everybody has a schedule. I'm trying to put that little thing out there. But yeah. she, so she was on the side of the road for two days paralyzed. Uh, Shelter picked her up, brought her in. They adopted her out. They gave it a lot of publicity. This is where a pet peeve of mine. It's kind of like the scam rescue in Arizona. They did it for publicity, right? Um, We're taking in all these special needs dogs, raping people of money and neglecting the dogs. Well, this is unfortunately San Antonio Shelter did the right thing. They put it out there. We have a paralyzed pup that needs a home. Somebody came up because they wanted to be their 15 seconds of fame for adopting a paralyzed dog. And then they put her in the backyard and left her there. So when I got her, she was covered with sores. Well, probably from dragging. Dragging dragging with no protection on the dirt in the backyard. So yeah, a neighbor actually called the shelter and said, hey, they have a dog that's dragging around. And they realized, oh, that's not good. They they went and got her back, which was good. You know, kudos to the shelter for following up and saying, no, you can't do this to this dog. Right. But then we had her. She was a great dog. She still is. She I mean, she is fantastic. She's in a wheelchair. She wheels everywhere. She used to do agility. Paralyzed pups live They can still a great do life. all the things. And that's one of the reasons why I just haven't had the opportunity to have one or to foster anything. But that's definitely not something that I'm unwilling to look into for sure, just because I feel like... Right. Even if you're is, just fostering, yeah. right? Just to help them find their forever home. Yeah. It's just... Just to get them out of the cement. Rewarding. It's, it's more of a rewarding situation. And bringing awareness i think to a lot of that too and and we will we'll get more into the the paralyzed pups and stuff when we talk to dawn who who has one yes. and um she'll kind of talk more about what she's done and, the and care all of that from an and, owner yeah, standpoint yeah i i think i would be very willing to look into something like that because none yeah. of that really and again you know the me. common denominator here on our podcast if you haven't noticed is foster yeah <laughs> foster. Yeah. So even if you are, if you're not sure, can I take on this responsibility? Best way to try it is to foster, foster the dog and see, Hey, you know what? Can I do this? Is this for me? If not, okay, you're just fostering. If so, then you become a foster win, not a foster fail because I hate that word foster win. Right. (laughs) So if you're a foster win, you keep the dog, but if it's too much, then you find it a new home. At least you helped it on its path to find a forever home. But the common denominator here for me for anything that we talk about in our podcast is fostering. Always. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then the IVVD, I have to like look at it. IVDD. So can... <laughs> uh, and I'm going to say it wrong, I'm sure. I've not had enough coffee. Intravertible. For, uh, see? I see. Intervertebral disease. Yeah, yes. gosh. It's a source of back pain in dogs. I mean, obviously, the most, most severe the is they can be paralyzed. Right. Most times it's in the um, in older dogs. But you do see it in some younger dogs. And unfortunately, I think the breeds that you'll see it in are the dogs that are going to be 90 to nothing from the minute they're born. Yeah, and they that might parkour their whole parkour lives. Parkour their whole lives and uh, injure their backs. And obviously back then with that, it could potentially cause aggression, but yes. some pain. Right. So, and it does. It it does because, you know, we, we talk to people all the time with our aggression cases when people come in. One of the very first things that I always ask is health, right? Yeah. When was the last time you had your dog checked out? A lot of times I'm going to talk about, hey, you should 
go get your dog checked out. Yeah. They might not. And most people don't realize with dogs, they can't say, my back hey, hurts. my back hurts and I don't really want to feel like walking today. So they might get really grumpy with you if you go yeah. to put a leash or a harness on because they back hurts. They yeah. don't want to walk. Or they, you might notice like when you try to touch them in specific areas we like your back. Client, yeah, right? We just that, had a client that came in. We know the dog. She's absolutely wonderful. But all of a sudden, literally, yeah, what they said, yeah. all of a sudden, she's got, she's you painful. can't pet her. Yeah. And if you try to pet her, she would try to bite. And I she was like, growl well, and, and right. run away. So I saw her in a class and I said, you know, I'm just, I'm going to try a couple of things. And I just pet her while she was standing and her whole back twitched. Yeah. Now, most times stiff. people go, oh, uh, tickles. Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. Tickles. Or I caught him off guard. That was a pain response. And then we, uh, just for clarification, I wanted to, I was like, you know, let's see if she lays down and how she lays down. She was really refusing to lay down, which yeah. is this dog downs immediately because yeah, she knows she's she going to get reward, it. right? So again, go to the vet if you see these things, right? But don't hold it against your dog. Aggression can stem from a lot of things. And it's not because, you know, they're just bad dogs. They hurt right now. My shoulder. Tara can be very aggressive when <laughs> she's in pain. I haven't bitten anybody yet. Not and yet. I do have my rabies vaccine. Well, okay, thank God. I have my rabies vaccine. All right. But anyway, uh, yeah. Um, but my shoulder right now is in bad shape, right? So I might all of a sudden forget because I'm not wearing a sling like I'm supposed to. And I reach to up to hit the trunk of my the thing of my car. And all of a sudden it gets that. Oh, God, that hurts. Yeah. I'm going to get grumpy for a second. Just don't talk to me. Walk away and let me just get over my pain. But we don't do that with dogs. Yeah, you got to have the same for your dog. It's going to happen. Right. We don't do that with dogs, right? They get, we go to put a harness on them and they might have a shoulder or a back injury and they go, I don't really want to. And then you're going, well, you have to. Well, damn it. Okay. if If I've already told you I don't want to, and then you're putting this harness on me anyway, if me telling you I don't want to is not enough, I will bite. Yeah. So that's the progression that we see in aggression. So then the other one we have is EIC. Right. And you didn't even know that. I don't even know what this is. Okay. Like, so, so I'm, I'm going to literally read off of here what that notes the that, notes. She's reading. I don't she's, know. Y'all, she's um, reading. She's she, not. You put it on here and I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what this is. So um, it says exercise and, and excitement induced collapse. Yes. Okay. And it's usually in Labrador retrievers. Now, why? I believe I believe it's a gene thing, but I'm not a vet. Okay. I'm not a vet. I don't know. Fantastic would question. It would be great to have somebody on that knows more about that might EIC. have researched something like right. that. But from what I've seen in my own experience, I've never seen it in another dog other than labs. Okay. So right. then what what is so I'm this? guessing it's some type of in in their DNA or the genes. Okay. I guess so again, totally. I'm not medical, but all I know is all I can speak about is my experience. EIC is when they get overexcited, they start to get woozy. Basically, it's like like they're drunk, pretty much, and then they collapse. Oh, okay. Right. So you That's might get cool. a dog, and I don't know if it's in other breeds, but. You might be doing something, you know, agility. You might be doing, might even just be just be running or playing fetch or something. So we or? actually saw it in a class one time. We were doing a class and we had a lab in the class and we had a big old group class outside, just beautiful day. And the dog was really happy, really excited. Just happy to be there. Just happy, just happy doing all the stuff. And all of a sudden it just fell over outside. And of course, everybody panicked. And I was like, wait, wait, it's all good. <laughs> 
I went over to make sure that everything was good, obviously. So they're because not, I do have a medical background. Are they but passing out? Passing out. Okay. But they're not like, it's not like a seizure. They're not like not passing breathing out. or not passing you know, out. Okay, so it's just it's, like a person that faints. And it's scary as hell. Okay, so it's like the dog fainted. Because you think your dog just dropped. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's terrifying. Yes, I'm going to watch Kevin in, very quickly. <laughs> but it happens in labs. He, he, he has all the problems, and I'm literally like, please don't have this problem. I have Johnny, right? So for me, I'm like, okay. I, I mean, I had Mac too, but Mac... He didn't have that. He didn't have it. Um, and I hate to say this, but whoever originally got Mac spent way too much money on a mutt. He was a lab mix. Yeah. They told the person that bought him that he was a lab. Uh, he was mutt, but he was the best mutt in the world. <laughs> Kevin is is a full lab. Right. But with his lemon lab because he has all the problems and he's and you know, miniature looking. I think the, the fun fact here is, you know, research, try to figure out, I think anybody else has seen it, that would be a great question for the end of this podcast. If y'all have seen it in a dog that's not a, a lab, lab yeah. you know. What breed was it? What, 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 what was were they doing? What were they doing? I think yeah. that would be a fantastic. You know, we love our nerdy research. Yeah. Um, Laura and I like to geek out all the time about this stuff. So send us a yeah. send us a, a note. Info at k9translators.com if you have seen this in other dogs besides labs. Yeah. Okay, so then the other one we have is some hormonal diseases that can cause issues around food and increased appetite. So right. what are some Hyper, of these? hypothyroid. Okay, so um, thyroid sex issues. Sex hormones. Now, testosterone. Cisco had, oh no, I can't even remember what he had. Cushing's. Is that a hormonal situation or is that, because that's, that I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm not a vet. I know. I don't remember. I do know Cushing's creates It does appetite. increase appetite. Now, in anything a, I think that will increase your dog's appetite is has the potential, potential, and I say potential around food. to have issues around food. And he did. He was a resource guarder. So, and we worked on a lot of that stuff and he, he got a lot better about it. Uh, I did attribute a lot of his issues then after I learned that he had Cushing's disease, which we found out through blood work. Right. We had a full blood panel go on. But I know like that he had that and it did cause the issues with food. Um, right. He, so, he ate like I never fed him. And there are there are a number of different things that can cause increased appetite, right? You have, let's go through them, right? You have deficiency in their, their diets. Yeah. Which... The I nutrition is right important. now. There is a crazy research going on all over the place. I hear it a lot. Um, and actually, we were talking about this with Aaron from Southeast Texas Trainer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, we were talking about it with him. The nutrition has a lot to do with it, too. If they're not getting the right nutrition, yeah. you can see increased ingression, right? Yeah. But you could also get it from medications that are going to increase your dog's appetite. Think about it. How many of you all get hangry? My horse even gets hangry. Yeah, yeah. We all do it. It's a species thing, right? It's a, it's a, a it's a being, not yeah. a species. It's a being I'm thing. I'm hungry, and so I'm angry. I'm hungry. I want to eat. If you don't feed me, don't talk to me unless I eat. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, my wife is the worst. Yeah. You could see the same. little demon coming out if my wife has not eaten. Yeah. Same. And with you mine. go, okay, cool. let's let's find you some food. I'm the same way with coffee. Me too. So yeah. <laughs> it's know. the same thing. But um, the I know the thyroid problem can cause aggression and that happens a lot where we will be in a consult and 
and literally ask the owner to go to the vet and have a full blood panel to check the thyroid yep. because it can cause it can. Uh, aggression issues. Yeah. And um, especially I, if those aggression issues come out of nowhere. Skin issues. Y'all don't realize this, but skin issues actually can cause aggression. Like mange? Yes. Oh. Allergies. Well, I, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, look at Laura. I mean, I'm sitting across from her right now and she's uh. suffering from allergies this morning. She was grumpy. Uh. Uh, but honestly, <laughs> no, but for real. <laughs> I'm allergic to the outside. I don't know what to tell you. For real, though, a lot of times people don't realize that skin issues and allergies can actually cause discomfort. Discomfort yeah. causes grumpiness. Yeah. Not you know, I'm going to go out and kill people, but it's going to cause grumpiness. Let's say like my melted chocolate chip cookie, Vinny, right now he's got he's a got bad the, ear. The ear um, now he's a melted chocolate chip cookie, but even though he doesn't have any types of grumpiness if or If you were to go and grab and mess with that ear, I bet he would have I don't let anybody say. do it because yeah. I know. I mean, obviously it hurts. From experience, my shoulder hurts. You touch it, I'm going to hit you. If, if he's got a bad ear. I'm going to tell even my kids, right? My kids don't know. Don't touch that ear. Don't go near their ear because it hurts. And it's going to be one of those things that I want to have a preventative in play. Yeah. He's in the car. We drive here every day. We drive home every day. It's, it's a three hour a day travel. Yeah. Ridiculous. But when I stop and the window is open, if I'm at a gas station, most people are like, can I pet your dog? No. Right they're now? gonna they're no immediately gonna go and and want to mess with the ears. Right when his ear is good, sure you can pet my dog in the car. I don't care. But if my dog's ear is bothering him, I don't. I'm gonna protect him. But skin issues are the same way. If they have skin lesions and you go to touch it, it's going to hurt. So the only way they can say it hurts is to growl, snap, or bite. If you're not listening to the first level, hey, I don't feel like walking today. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, what about the sex hormones? Testosterone, biggie. Interesting uh, study that I was just listening to because, you know, nerd geeking out, um, is that even females give off testosterone. Right. Because the females that lift their legs. Even females give off testosterone. Have more testosterone. So testosterone is going to cause a little bit more agitation. And when a female is in heat, they're going to be a little bit more agitated. Now, for all the guys out there listening that go, yeah, okay, we know that because you live with a woman that might be doing that, right? <laughs> it is. It's not fun to go through. So yeah. a dog that is going through her cycle or is pregnant or a male that knows there's a female in, in, uh, heat, in somewhere. heat somewhere, they want to date. They want to go get that date. So, you know, sex hormones do play a lot. And, yeah. you know, diabetes is the other one. Yep. And that's something that we talk about a lot with clients, too, is getting things checked if we think that that might be a problem going on. Because, again, it's going to be just discomfort, just like a person. And, you know, uh, as you have seen, but you don't have any aggression or grumpiness, um, is renal. Yeah, because Kevin has the renal failure. And luckily he is. He's the happiest little dog in the whole world. You would not know that there's something wrong. But I know that, you know, we've had, I think we had a client that their dog was in renal failure and they were here due to aggression issues, but it was, we have to take care of the medical side first before right. we can deal with the behavior side. Because if if we do behavior and the medical isn't handled, well, then you're just chasing your tail. Nothing's and happening. Y'all have to remember that it's not specific breeds, okay? Yeah. It's not sizes of dogs that are more specific prone to uh, medical issues. It's all dogs, y'all. It's every human, every dog, every animal. We live, we breathe, we could have health issues. 
doesn't mean that you shouldn't be in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't have somebody that's going to care with, care for you, care about you. Same thing with a dog. It could happen to any dog. The best thing that you could do is to prevent it is go see your vet yearly. Make for- sure you're going. And, and when you go, have them check all the things. Right. I mean, for and me- I know sometimes people can't afford it. And I'm going to say, um, we work, we work a lot in the communities that, um, people can't even afford a car. So we yeah. go to the communities and do our training for them. And I get it. But if you're seeing something you're seeing like something, that, then you get, we have, you have to find there's, I'm sure there are resources out there. Call your local shelter. Yeah. Not to surrender your dog. Call your local shelter and see if they have any resources for low cost medical. Here in Texas, we have a Mets pet. Yeah. Just a, even if it's just full blood panel right. situations. I think Thrive Animal Hospital, yeah. I think they're uh, affordable. Or you can, sometimes some vet hospitals will um, do, I think it's called care credit or something right. like that, where you can make payments pretty much because the vet is expensive. If you suspect your dog is in pain at all, if they are getting grumpy with you because they don't want to go for a walk, stop for a second, step back and realize they can't tell you they hurt. Check it out first. Watch those the the warning signs and right. it's, and try not to just make them push through it because right. then you might be putting yourself in a poor situation right. for them. Now, specific activities or exercise that can promote good health? Okay, walks. I mean, that's one thing like um I if they're not sore. Yeah, I I mean, that's why like I like doing <laughs> I like doing agility with my dogs because it helps promote just good body health. Mm-hmm. But we don't do it fast. I don't have, I can't do it fast. But competition too. If yeah. You're, if you, you know, if you're not looking for the competitions, I will never, ever be on, on the competition side. But it's just getting to go in and do it for the body awareness right. stuff, which is what we talked about when we did talk about the specialty training and stuff for us with agility is, yeah, there's a behavior reason for it. But there's also a medical thing too. Like I do it a lot with Raven because uh, she's a shepherd and they're more likely to have hip, hip issues. issues. Yeah. And so I want her to have good muscular build back there. And I I want her to have good movement. Right. Learn how to properly massage your dog. Not some fly-by-night Google. I saw it on Google thing. Learn how to properly massage your dog. Get your hands on them. We have that episode with Christina about canine massage, right? Learn how to massage them so you can feel it. Take an inventory. This is something that I actually do with my dogs on a daily basis I know it sounds stupid because I live with my dogs and I pet them every day, but I actually take a, a inventory over my dogs and I just noticed a brand new bump on my melted chocolate chip cookie. I mean, my Roddy is four years old, y'all. He's only four, but he's got a little lump on his neck. So he's going to go to the vet and get it checked out, yeah, right? Just but it was a little conscious. tiny thing and most people would have probably missed it because you're, you know, you might not be touching him all over. Yeah. Um, but I do. I take an inventory of my dogs every day. If I notice that Harley is taking a little bit of extra time to getting getting up, all right, well, I'm not going to go for a walk. Yeah. Then I might have her in the room and I might do some uh, mental, maybe some massage. Yeah, something um, else. Swimming is great. Yeah, great for dogs can. that have ouchies. But not like a five-mile hike yeah. if you notice your dog is a little tender we actually have a dog that the owners were walking, uh, one of our cases, we have a dog that the owners were walking, I mean, a lot. They were they were trying to wear this dog out, hurting breed, trying to wear him out a lot and doing a lot of walks. And the dog was getting grumpy. And I was like, you know, just as homework, cut it back a little bit. 
cut it back a little bit and see if you shorten up those walks, if you see a difference. Well, I just see, saw her this week and she was like, I mean, the difference in my dog is incredible. Just because it was uncomfortable to do It was that uncomfortable walk. to walk that far. Yeah. That you, makes sense. We all have to remember, even though they have four legs and we only have two, sometimes they don't feel they might be ouchy. They might not want to walk that yeah. five miles. Cut it back for a week or so. See if you see a difference of your grumpiness, yeah. right? Or see if your dog is actually excited now to go for a walk. You're never gonna you're never gonna run your dog into the ground and get them tired enough. I hate that term. Tired dog is a good dog. <laughs> All dogs are good dogs. It's the people yeah. that don't understand and make them grumpy. Yep. So, I mean, pretty much the this whole episode is just us breaking down some of the medical stuff that we've seen or that can cause issues and just trying to bring some awareness to those things so that people know what to look for. And if your dog is experiencing something like this, go to the vet. Or if you are looking at a dog at the shelter or maybe at a rescue, you're thinking about fostering, but they tell you that, hey, the dog has some of this stuff. That doesn't mean that you can't foster that dog or that you can't adopt that dog if you want to. Just because the dog has some medical issues doesn't mean it doesn't deserve a home. My wife puts up with my injuries. Yeah. She loves me to death. She puts up with your medical issues a lot. And she loves me to death, right? And you we still all deserve, deserve a home. We all deserve a home. My wife gave me a home. <laughs> she adopted me. But yeah, for real, like Laura said, it's yeah. it's don't ever overlook something at the shelter. Heartworm. Here's a yeah. thing. That's a big one here in yeah. the South, right? So here in, in Texas, I can tell you every single rescue that I have pulled. They paid for the heartworm treatment, most of them. Right. Prior to my puppies that I just have now, Vincenzo, Tahoe, and Johnny and Mazkeen, those are the only four that did not have heartworms when I adopted them. Y'all, it was yeah, Jay-Z. Jay-Z easy, easy to go through. It's not something that oh my god, I'm not going to do this. There are so many dogs. It's so heartbreaking for yeah. me to see how many dogs are euthanized because they have heartworm and nobody will adopt them. Yeah. Y'all, yes. You're going to take this dog in. It has to go through heartworm treatment. It isn't fun for the dog. But here's the thing. When the dog is over it, the dog is the dog. You saved a life. You have a wonderful pet. Yeah. Fantastic. So don't give up because they have heartworms. That's something that is, it is so. That's it. Jake and Cisco both had heartworms when we adopted them and they were some of my best dogs. All my dogs did. Axel did. Crash did. Dakota did when I got her. Allie had it. Peanut had it, my Chihuahua. They all yeah. had it. I adopted these dogs knowing, yeah, okay, who cares? Yeah, we'll just we go, go through, through the medical the treatment. treatment and we move on. And they lived very Great long lives. lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so don't overlook a dog because it says heartworm treatment. Yeah. Okay. Medical doesn't mean that that they can't do something or that they, you know, are gonna be taking up way more of your time or finances. No. I mean, you might have to go through getting them where they need to be, but then once they're there, then you have a companion. Right. For the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, it can be very rewarding and it's worth it. And the dogs, they definitely deserve it. So it's just not not writing them off if you notice that there's something going on. And, go out, foster. Don't look yeah. past, don't walk past the dog that says heartworm positive, yeah. uh, honestly. Uh, and it's kind of like in, in the Northeast, our biggest problem was Lyme's disease. So hmm. in the Northeast... You would walk in uh, every single vet in the Northeast is like, oh, it's limes. Here, this is what you got to do. Yeah. And done. 
It's not this, oh my God, it's going to, it's, it's a over traumatic and you can't do anything euthanize your dog. But that's the same thing here in Texas. We're so used to heartworm that we have the same thought process that yeah. they do in the Northeast about limes. It's yeah. just something that's going to happen. Here you yeah. go. There's the treatment and we move on. And it's done. Now, next week, we're going to be talking to Dawn, who is going to be a guest talking about her paralyzed pup, which we will, that's where we're going to go a little bit more in depth about the the paralyzed pups and, what and it takes kind of what goes into that and all of, and all of the care and everything and just kind of giving people more background and hopefully opening up some homes. Hopefully. I hope so. Because yeah. I think, uh, you know, that's Laura and I's goal yeah. is to get people to understand dogs, translate for them a little bit more. Feel so like you can open your home. Y'all can go out and get some some wonderful dogs that need homes. Y'all, yeah. there's so many of them out there. Awesome. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, we talked to our favorite veterinarian, Dr. Yes. Jess. Um, so she'll be on in a couple of weeks because we're kind of following this routine. Yep. Laura is very good about <laughs> scheduling things and have the having them fall the way they should. <laughs> and if you haven't checked out um, some of our subscription episodes, some of them are already out. Be sure to check our Facebook, check our Instagram at Canine Translators. That's Canine with a K. And check out some of our subscription episodes, right? Canine with a K, right? Yes. I said it right? Okay. God, you looked at me and I was like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I did it wrong. Uh, but yes, we'll have some of those subscription episodes are already out. So take a look um, and, and go, go listen to them. Rock on. All right. Have a great day, y'all. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas about future podcasts, please email us at info at caninetranslators.com. That's canine translators with a K. Please like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Remember to always try to see them, hear them, and help them. And protect first.